I've got a couple different quotes to, to start off my message today. Um, the first one is from uh, Augustine, uh, who wrote, you, you might know him from the book uh, on Christian doctrine. You also, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, you might know him as St. Augustine. Or if you're from, like, North Africa, you might know him as uh, Augustine of Hippo. Um, but this is, this is the first quote I want to start off with today. Jesus Christ will be Lord of all, or he will not be Lord at all. He will be Lord of all, or he will not be Lord at all. Um, has anybody seen the, the movie um, Jesus Revolution that's in theaters? Isn't that movie good? Gosh, that's so good. Um, I know that uh, uh, Acacia and Danny went and saw it yesterday, and they texted us. Well, they texted us pictures of like a half-full popcorn box, and then texted us, oh, that movie was so good. Um, a, a man that was just a key voice in the Jesus Revolution in the mid-70s, early to mid-70s, then through the late 70s, his name was Keith Green, and he uh, was a musician and a singer and a worship leader and a preacher, and he was bold for Jesus. And Keith had this quote, unless you've given Jesus your whole life, he doesn't want any of it. Isn't that bold? I, I even think that the, the, the Augustine quote is bold. It was just, you know, written, you know, in like 890, you know, uh, A.D. And so it just wasn't quite as bold as the in-the-face words of Keith Green. So I ask, why would such kind and Jesus-loving Christian men say what could be seen as something that's so harsh and narrow? Because they know that partial Christianity, if there were such a thing, which there's not. But can you think of anything more powerless, more unsatisfying, more misrepresentative of God than a, than a, a partial faith, a partial Christianity, a Christianity that gives Jesus some but not all. These men and many like them throughout history can say such bold definitive words because they know the meaning of the title Lord. Lord. We, we don't really use that word in America. We, we really only use it here in church, Right? Because we don't have lords. We don't have the, the, the same uh, governing system that they have. I mean, maybe, you know, one of the... Be nice, Mark. One of the, one of the wonderful shows that's, like, on Netflix, like, set in, like, you know, like, uh, the monarchy times. You know, they use your lord. Or if you want to, like, if you're talking with your friends and you're trying out bad accents, you can be like, yes, lord. And, you know, other than that, we don't use it. But the word lord... It's significant. What we see in the New Testament, we see the word uh, uh, kyrios, and that's what the word Lord is. And I, I want to take a second, I just want to read the definition of that, the translation of that word. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. Master, Lord, the possessor 
and disposer of a thing. The owner, one who has control of the person, the master. In the state sense, the sovereign, the prince, the chief, the Roman emperor. And in the spiritual sense, this title is given to God, the Messiah. Friends, I'm telling you right now, Jesus cannot just be Savior in your life. He must be Lord. The, The title, the Lord Jesus Christ, is used over 60 times in the New Testament. The Lord... Jesus Christ. In in a little bit, we're going to unpack each one of those, what they mean, so that we can truly know when when we call him Lord, what that means. But I think that definition was pretty self-explanatory. He is the, the possessor. He is the one to whom we give our lives and say, you're master, you're Lord. You get to call the shots. Church, I want to encourage us. Let Jesus take over your life and let him be Lord. If we haven't done that, we have to do that. As a pastor, I I run across people all the time that have a very dissatisfying relationship with the Lord. It just doesn't, it's just not satisfying. And they'll hear me talk about my my relationship with the Lord. And and based on me talking about Jesus, they'll say, man, it's clear you believe with all your heart. It's clear that you have a relationship with him. And because, because you're so passionate about Jesus, I have a sense of believing as well. But I don't have what you have. I will say this, perhaps the number one reason why people might have an unsatisfying relationship with God is that they haven't made him Lord and Savior. If you'll turn in your Bibles or your Bibles apps to uh, Romans 10, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Um, we'll, we'll hop to Acts 2, Luke 6. We'll kind of jump around, but the main passage that I want to pull from today is Romans 10, 9 and 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation and it says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So I want to unpack this real quick. And I want to start with this. The audience who's who's getting this letter from Paul to the church at Rome, whether they're they're Jews or Gentiles, um, they understand, when he's talking about heart, they understand what that means. Heart, we think of heart and we associate it with emotion. We think of heart and love and emotion and, you know, any number of romance films or love songs that come to mind, we th- that's what we think of with the heart. But that's not what this audience knows to be the heart. They see the heart as, as the command center of our being associated more with our thoughts than it is with our feelings. So the heart, it's, it's a place where that your will 
is demonstrated. I want to read that again. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in that place, that command center of of, of your being, and with your will, you grab a hold of the truth, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if I can stop right there, what is this telling us to do? What part is he telling us to do with our mouth? And what part is he telling us to do with our heart? With our mouth, we declare. We proclaim. You guys, we're way too silent about too many things. Even in our Christianity, even in our faith, there's a a quietness. We do things quietly. And I understand, I understand things being personal, but I also understand there's, when, when something is spelled out for us in the Word of God and it ties directly to our salvation, we don't get to interpret it as we want. We don't get to do a silent prayer in this matter. We don't. Because the proclamation that we're making is you are the boss, Lord Jesus. I'm giving you the keys to my, to my life. I'm giving you the, the title to my life. You own the deed. I am yours. Do whatever you will. Use me however you will. My decisions are now going to be your decisions. And I'm not going to ask you to, to yield to, to my plan, to my ways, to my preferences, to my comforts. I'm going to yield to your commands. Now here's the beautiful thing. I encourage you guys, everyone say Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Okay, so in this passage of Romans 10, Paul references Deuteronomy 30. And and I'm going to give you the cliff notes of Deuteronomy 30, but I want you to go read it because it's really good. Um, In Deuteronomy, there's, there's this command to... To declare the Lord, to believe in your heart and in your soul, to love him, and then it says, here are, are, are the, you know, there are works that please the Lord in Deuteronomy, and then it says, but yet you can't go up and grab God in his highest place and bring him down to you, and you can't bring him down, you know, for, you know take him from the grave and and bring them to you. You aren't capable of that. That's not a work you can do. You've got to proclaim him as Lord. You've got to believe in your heart, and you've got to love him, and it, and it wonderfully mirrors that. It says all that, and then it talks about works, and then it, it mirrors that again. And so in Romans 10, Paul even says, hey, we can't go up and, and grab him and bring him down, and you can't reach into the grave and pull him up. It's not about your works. It's not about what you can do. It's not based on your works but I do want to talk a little bit about love because the the obedience to his commands is done out of love, out of affection. Let's say any one of us who's, who's in love, who's committed our life to someone else, okay? Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever. 
any of us who are in love. Let's say we're in a setting and there's a tempter or a temptress. There's someone that doubts our commitment. And so they say, hey, I'm available. And you'll have minutes, maybe hours. You'll have a brief minute. You'll have a brief window of, of, of pleasure, of fun. In that instance, I imagine every single one of us would be compelling, that we would be convincing, that we would say, I'm sorry, or maybe not I'm sorry. I've given my life, I've given my heart, I've committed myself to my love. So, no thanks, beat it, nope, whatever, whatever it is. But what do we do when it comes to Jesus? Are we just as convincing when it comes to Jesus? Are we just as convincing to the tempter, to the temptress, to the enemy, to whatever it is that's coming our way when there's something that's asking us to compromise? We know what Jesus says. We know what his commands are. We see it in his word. We, we love him so we've committed our life and our belief to him. But yet, Time after time, we, we compromise and demonstrate that he's Lord of most, but not Lord of all. He's Lord of some, but he's not Lord of all. He has to be Lord of all. I read the definition of Lord, and then here's the word for believe. It's pistuo. And it's translated as to believe and be committed unto. To think to be true. To be persuaded of. To place confidence in. And I love that. I've been persuaded that Jesus is alive. I've been persuaded. I've, I've come, as an act of my will, I've chosen to believe that Jesus lived. He died on the third day, he rose from the grave and then he spent almost six weeks, five and three-quarter weeks, five and a little less than three-quarter weeks, walking and talking and eating and being with people, not just his disciples, demonstrating that he's alive and then he entrusted us with his work. He, he gave us the, the right to walk in his authority and said, you're going to make mistakes, but that's all right. My plan includes y'all, and I'm going to be with the Father. There's a place at, the right, at his right hand, and you're going to continue this work. And he lives. That's what it says we believe in our heart. That. So if I can summarize it real quick. Believe in your heart. This is, this is not some dead religious thing. If it is, we all should go home. If Jesus isn't alive, we, we should never come back into this place again. He's not some dead deity buried somewhere. And he's not some lifeless icon on a wall. The cross is empty. 
because he came off it and never went back. He's alive and he lives today. And this is what we're supposed to believe in the command center of who we are, not just with the emotions. You can, you can believe with the emotions. That's fine because some of y'all are really emotional. So absolutely grab a hold of that and believe him with the entirety of who you are, including those wonderful emotions. But also believe him with your mind. Be convinced of this. This is truth. But it's not enough to believe. We have to proclaim He is Lord. Mark, you wanna you wanna do this? Insert, you know, whatever the sin is there. Okay, just insert sin. Mark, you wanna do this? No, I don't do that. Why not? Because Jesus is Lord. Because I gave him my life. And I know for a fact that, that he doesn't like that. And I live my life to please him. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Da, 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 da. Hey, I, I'm just telling you what I'm convinced of. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm telling you what I'm convinced of is that that doesn't please God and I love him. I love him. It's not just some, some weird obligation. This isn't religion. This is affection and I love God. In Acts chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost that faithful followers of Jesus were gathered together waiting on the promised Holy Spirit. They were waiting, 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 they were waiting. People were coming into Jerusalem. The crowds were getting large. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're secluded, they're waiting, they're praying, they're waiting. And boom, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and empowered them and filled them and it was like dynamite boom the most amazing things happened and then timid sometimes timid Peter who denied Jesus three times who who carried the shame of of that denial steps out into the crowd and preaches one of the most pointed anointed messages that's ever been preached. And he says this in Acts 2.36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. God has made him both Lord and Christ. So what's the meaning of the title, Lord Jesus Christ? Let's, let's look at these three parts. So Jesus, if you'd lived in Nazareth when Jesus grew up, <clears throat> you most likely would have known a, a good handful of Jesuses because it was a revered name. It was an honored name. It's a name um, that, oh, where are we at? The, uh, Yeshua. And it's a joining of the name of God with the word for salvation. And it meant God is our salvation. So Joshua, you, got, you know, with Joshua, you know, and, and the, the mighty man of God that Joshua was. So it's that name, okay? And so there were lots of Jesuses running around. It was an honoring name. But we can't miss the fact that that name means God is our salvation, okay? Let's go to Christ. 
The Greek for Christ is equivalent to the Hebrew for Messiah. And both refer to the prophesied uh, anointed one who, who was promised to come and save. To say that Jesus was the Christ affirms those prophecies. It affirms the truth that he's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one who's been prophesied and foretold and who they had been waiting for. He is the coming king. The coming king who would vanquish every foe. Who would, who would bring victory to their lives. That is the Christ. And then Lord. Lord. This is a designation of authority. And in the case of Jesus, well beyond human rule. Revelation 17, 14 says that he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And he has the authority to rule every person's life. But here's, here's the key. Even if he has the authority to do so, that's not what he does. He waits for declaration, for proclamation. And those who proclaim him as Lord and believe in him as alive and risen, he becomes their Lord. Those who bow their knee to him and they yield to him and they proclaim with their mouth, this isn't just a state of the heart. This isn't just a thought thing. We have to proclaim with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Why is that important? Because it's not just a one-time thing. We are constantly proclaiming with our mouth that we are under his rule, his reign, and it's a great place to be. That's what we do as Christians. And I've talked to a ton of people about Jesus. And I, I mean, a ton. I love talking about Jesus. I love praying for people. I don't care where I am. God moves in the coolest ways. But I'll tell you this, the most compelling thing I have going for me, and friends of mine, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong, friends of mine. The most compelling thing that I have going for me when I talk to others about Jesus is that it is clear I believe this. It is clear. I'm convinced of this. So I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you, I know how real he is and I know how awesome he is and it's going to come across when I'm talking about him and that is contagious. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to evangelize. I'll tell you the first step. Be convinced of this. By making him Lord of your life. I'm telling you guys, I, man, I, I grew up in the church, but he wasn't always Lord. Because I was still doing my own selfish things. And I'm looking, where can I look? And some of y'all are too. You're doing the same stupid, selfish things. That way none of y'all can be like, you focused on me. You looked at me. Okay? And you know it. You gotta make him Lord. You gotta make him Lord, and you got and and you you have to start by proclaiming it. I think for the for the Lord to hear and for you to hear, and also for the enemy to hear. You guys, Satan's not convinced that some of you are his. If I'm just being perfectly honest, uh, I think Satan looks at you and goes, I, I I don't I don't know I don't see it. They're still doing whatever they want. They're still they're clearly Lord of their own life. They're still doing the ah. Uh, I think I've got the opportunity to, to jack with that person. 
The minute we proclaim, Jesus says, he's mine. She's mine. And Satan believes it when Jesus says it. And he says it the second that we say it, the second that we proclaim it, and we believe that he's alive in, in, within us, it says that, that we'll be saved. And that word saved here is not sozo, which Kara preached so wonderfully on, saved, healed, delivered. That's not that word sozo. is another Greek word that says rescued. Saved, rescued. And that's why I say the minute that, that we make that proclamation with the belief in our heart that Jesus steps in front in, in a mighty king of kings, lord of lords, butt-kicking kind of way, and Satan believes it. And we are saved. Safely behind him, we are saved. And there's, there's a couple troubling scriptures. I'm going to read them. Luke 6.46 says this, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Luke 6, 46. This is Jesus talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? When you, when you don't obey, when you don't love me, when, when you aren't following me, when you don't trust me, when you're doing your own thing, but you call me Lord, Lord, why do you do that? That's insulting. That's disparaging. I'm clearly not your Lord. <laughs> That's troubling. But not as troubling as Matthew 7, 21. 323, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will what? Will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, there's that phrase again. We prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed mighty miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And once again, breaking God's laws is not about um, this subservient obedience. It's about a love and affection that says, clearly I wouldn't cheat on you, baby. I love you. Clearly I'm loyal to you. I love you. I, no one has to make me be faithful to you, babe. I love you, Kara. And I love you. Right? It's, it's love. It's not... Obligation doesn't keep me faithful. Commitment. Commitment does. And that's included in that word for believe. When we believe, we're committed. And, and I want to get back to that original point I'm making here of a satisfying Christian life. Man. I got, a, I got a satisfying Christian walk and I want every follower of Jesus to have it. But I'm telling you, it came at a cost. And I remember the first mature Christian decision I made. And I was a follower of Christ. He, he, but there came a point when I was playing college football that I was still just being rotten. And I made the decision. I said, I'm not mature enough to play football and serve Jesus. I'm just not mature enough. I'm always going to make football about me. I'm always going to make it about, that's how I receive my validation. That's, that's what's going to 
put my name in lights and, and determine my worth. And I just knew. I'm like, well, I mean, it wasn't like it was this wonderful revelation from God. It was pretty obvious, man. It was pretty obvious. I'm playing football. I'm not serving the Lord. I know who he is, but I just loved me a little bit more or a lot more than I loved Jesus. And so I transferred to Oral Roberts University, who does not have a football team, and they say never will, because Oral Roberts did not like football, college football teams, because he knew college football players. Yeah. And that began this place in my life of surrender, of walking with the Lord, of seeking him, of yielding to him, of surrender. Sixty times, over 60 times, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, he's the one who saves, but I'm telling you, he has to be Lord. Second Peter, again, you know, Peter, same Peter that we read from, from Acts chapter 2, he, he gives us some wonderful, I think, how-tos, some like really cool things about, hey, Baby steps, baby steps. There's some wonderful, really cool how-tos that will help you change your um, patterns. And maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe some of us need to change some patterns and change some behaviors. And so I just want to read these quickly. I, and this isn't the end-all, be-all. We're not supposed to make this our, you know, this passage is the only way to grow in the Lord. But it's pretty cool. It's pretty good choices. And maybe some folks need some how-tos. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Love that. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire oh lord that's just what i'm talking about i want to leave that behind i want to follow you i want your nature this is so good how do i do it verse five for this very reason make every effort to and if i can stop right there you you are you are deceived if you think that that growth comes without effort. We have to make effort. We have to walk the walk. We have to take the steps following Jesus. And there's sometimes that he leads us onto some rocky terrain because it will build endurance and we're going to need that endurance. He's not clearing every rock out of the way. Um, Follow me and just clearing everything. He's like, hey, hey, little closer you need to see this obstacle that's coming up we're gonna get we're gonna get over it we're gonna get over it it's gonna take about a year but i'm with you i'm with you every step of the way but i just i need you closer to me you're you're lagging behind i need you closer to me and i need you to see this but then now i need you to see me we're gonna get over it. it's gonna take about a year will you trust me verse five for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith i love supplements supplement your faith with virtue and virtue 
with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are steadfast and faithful and continue in these things, they will make our walk with the Lord more and more satisfying. Fruitful. Fruitful. We want to be fruitful. And when we are bearing fruit and we're looking more like Him, man, that's satisfying. It's encouraging. I, I still get encouraged. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so kind. Jesus, did you see that? That was so kind. I used to be so mean. And I just, did, did you see that? And Jesus is like, that was awesome, Mark. That was kind. a boy. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I get encouraged when I see that I'm not the same guy I was. It, it encourages me. Jesus encourages me with it. Tells me all the time, you're not the same guy you were. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Once again, this is not a punch list. But man, these are, these are pretty good pretty good things that remind us to just walk and grow and stay steadfast and keep our eyes on Him and supplement our faith with virtue and supplement our faith with faithfulness, steadfastness and supplement our faith with brotherly affection and supplement our faith with love and it's about growth Jesus, what do you want now? Holy Spirit, what, what, what is it you desire right now specifically, Holy Spirit? Oh, you guys, he, he's so patient right now. His patience is just so rich right now. You, you don't have to be afraid at all. If, if you've blown it and if, you're, if you've just really failed at making him Lord. You you don't have to be beating yourself up right now. His patience is so rich in this place right now. But you do have to proclaim. You do have to say, I make you Lord of all. I make you Lord of all. Jesus, I make you Lord of all. I don't get to keep any of this for me. I make you Lord of all. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to take my eyes off me. Lord, I've been so short-sighted. I've just been looking at me and my problems and my lack and all of these things. And Jesus, give me vision to see my life how you see it, to see me how you see me. I believe in you, but I also proclaim, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my King. church if you need to do that right now friend if you need to do that right now just do it right there where you are 
that proclamation can be made it can be made in a parking lot it can be made in your living room it can be made to a friend to a family or it can be made right here in this place but the bottom line is proclamation has to be made so that Jesus can rule and reign wonderfully in your life just respond to him right now just respond to what, to what he's speaking to you. I know he's speaking. Uh, with all eyes closed, if there's anyone here in this place that doesn't know Jesus, you've never made proclamation that he is Lord and you've never, you've never convinced yourself he's alive, he is risen, he is God. This is not a dead faith. This is truth. If you've never done that, but you're like, right now, I couldn't be talked out of this. I am now convinced, and I couldn't be talked out of this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right there where you are. If that is you, and I know this is a very specific thing, but if you haven't done that, let's not be timid about this. Let's not do some silent prayer. If that is you, would you just stand to your feet right where you are and say, I'm making proclamation today that I'm giving my life to Jesus. Is there anybody? I know this message gets recorded and we post it on our podcast. We we post it on YouTube. So if there's anyone who's watching this message at home, I'm, I'm speaking to you. Would you just stand to your feet where you are and make this proclamation? And then would you shoot us an email so that one of us on our pastoral team can get back to you, can get you a Bible, can link arms with you and start walking with you in this just glorious faith in Christ Jesus. Contact at impactrock.com is our email address. Just a, a second more. Just respond to the Lord if in the ways that he's just speaking to you right now. Take a moment, proclaim his goodness. Proclaim that you trust him. Maybe maybe repent if you haven't been trusting him. Change your mind about that and walk with him. In Jesus' name. I want to close us out with a blessing if uh, you need any prayer. I know we had an opportunity to have prayer uh, in the middle of worship, but you know what? There's always opportunity for prayer when you're at church. That's what we do. We love to pray. Can we stand to our feet? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day. You are so loved by our awesome God. Start praying about who you're going to invite to Easter service and invite them. Invite, invite. It's a wonderful, affectionate thing to invite someone to church. Um, And let's fill this place so that we can just exalt the Lord together on Easter Sunday, which is... April 9th, is that right? April 9th. April 9th? April 9th. Have a great day. God bless y'all.